0: Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff, and my co-host John and I live to dive deep into the used shelves and discount bins of American game stores, looking for treasure amongst the refuse and out-of-date Necron codexes. Codices? Whatever. Today, we're looking at X-Crawl, an OGL game that had a simple, brilliant idea, and then found increasingly weird ways to ruin it. Let's get into the professional dungeon experience, brought to you by Carl's Jr., Carl's Jr., our burgers are the flooded basements of the food industry. And we are back. John, how the heck are you? I'm... Kinda sleepy. I had a burger. <laughs> we've gotta talk about that. We can't eat burgers before recording. We can't do it anymore. We're, <laughs> we're too, too old. Now. We're too old. It's it, it's what happened. <laughs> we're too old for that midday burger. I know. We really are. We can't have. We we have to do the show before lunch. I think is. This is the second time where we've gone out for lunch before doing the show. This time, so we could talk like the future of of some stuff and how, what we're gonna be doing with Patreon and and that whole Star Wars expanded universe thing. And we had a, a productive lunch business discussion. Came back to the house to record, and you fell asleep on the couch in about five seconds. Yeah, man. I can't. I didn't even have a whole burger. I had half a burger. You're too old. It's, it's what it is. We've hit a point now where what you can do before recording the podcast is wake up, have a small amount of oatmeal near a granola bar. Grab a brush and put a little makeup. Yeah, yeah. Why not leave your keys up on the table? <laughs> and then you can come over to my house, we'll turn on these mics, and we'll go ahead and create another fable. Yeah. You wanted to. <laughs> System of a down. That's system mastery of a down, everyone. So, wow. Hey. Hey. Ooh. Ooh. If I can remember any other system of a down song. Uh, uh, there's that one where it's like, guys are partying in the desert or something. I don't know. I think that's an Andrew W.K. song. Oh, uh, yeah. Anything that has anything to do with partying is obviously Andrew W.K. 100% of the time. Yep. Yeah, like uh, girls just want to have fun. I'm pretty sure that's actually Andrew W.K., yeah. Well, if it was called Girls Just Want a Party, then just yes. Want, girls just want a party, party, party. Girls want to party. Let's have a party. Hey <laughs> girls, let's party. Oh man, we just wrote a new Andrew W.K. song. We should let him know. He'll be <laughs> pleased. <laughs> hey man, we just did your job for you. It's cool. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Also, we are covering X Crawl today. X Crawl. X Crawl. It's a it's an interesting OGL game from a company called Pandahead Presser. Panda Head Productions, one of those. Panda Head Games? Panda Head Games, maybe. One, it's something Panda Head. Yeah, definitely some Panda Head in there. Yeah, there's some, unlike real life where pandas are terrible at sex and hate it. <laughs> yeah, this company, great at panda sex. Great at panda, They're really good at oral panda stuff. <laughs> Just hand-in-mouth panda stuff. that's Actually, that's what they probably should have called the company: Hand-in-mouth panda stuff games. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what my next company is going to be. <laughs> There's a the reason we keep starting them over and over again. I haven't figured out what the reason is yet, but I feel like hand-in-mouth panda stuff games has the mark of a winner. Yeah, truly. That's what the the people are clamoring for. <laughs> all right. So, so X-crawl has a very simple premise. By the way, what we have here is a collector's edition of this book. We have oh, a yeah. very nice copy that we found on a used shelf somewhere. Uh, it's all it's got a dust jacket that's all black except for the tasteful X-crawl logo. It's, it's pretty, it's signed by all the creators, and it's uh, it's number 36 out of 150 printed. Yeah, so it's, it's super nice, especially considering the normal cover to this game is just some stupid shit art. So, like I was saying a second ago, this game has a brilliant premise... And then, like I mentioned in the intro, it just goes about ruining that premise in the most efficient way possible. Yeah. So let me tell you the premise here, and you tell me whether or not, you, the listener, tell me right now. Don't even email me. In fact, just never email me. Uh, Stop it. (laughs) Stop saying anything. No longer comment on anything. We don't want to hear your tweets. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Comment harder and faster. (laughs) We're shutting the Reddit down. But answer right now, even if you're at work, tell me if this is a brilliant premise. It's D&D, but all the dungeons are televised, and you're playing in like a professional Legends of the Hidden Temple type death game scenario. Yeah, it's, it's extreme dungeon crawl, hence the X crawl. Mm-hmm. So it's like if someone made the X games, but instead of guys jumping bikes, it was people fighting beholders. Yeah, that's, that's the whole premise of the game. So you're on board, right? It's the modern day, but you still strap on swords and boards, and you go wandering into dungeons and shoot spells at, at boulets and peritons and what have you. And, and the whole time you're doing it for fabulous cash and prizes and for the entertainment of the masses. Yeah, and the DM becomes a character in the game, the person who's creating the dungeon, like the uh, the the DJ as they call them in the game, the dungeon judge, the person who makes all the decisions and determines when to introduce monsters and the layout the layout of the traps and everything, giving the DM a little bit more of a uh, a vested feel in the universe. Yeah, they get to like taunt the players and you know. Uh give them weird little uh, pre-match uh, things where they're like, oh, will you find whatever? Is this the last time where you'll do things? Bah! So this is all great. That's a brilliant premise. I was on board from the minute I heard the premise. Oh, yeah. Like, when I first picked up the the game, I was like, okay, X-Crawl, let's see what's going on here. Oh, okay, that's what this is about. Cool. And then you start reading it, and you're like, wait, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, because I mean, it, when it starts out, it gives you the history of this world, mm-hmm. and the main like starting history is your standard kind of fantasy world. It's uh, there were some monsters, there were heroes, there was a bunch of uh, like demi humans and shenanigans was going on, and there were crazy wars and whatnot and the you orcs have come boiling from underground yeah you have basically a a standard fantasy type setting but the first time they mention something like meanwhile in rome you're like oh okay it's a standard See, thing is it's not even that because the the beginning is standard fantasy setting and then they're like and then like the great flood happened and then after that rome and you're like uh what so it's set on alternate earth effectively is the first thing that we learn about the game. It's it's not set in a fantasy world. It's not Faerun, but but you know, four thousand years in the future when everything's modernized, it's set on an alternate Earth where demi humans exist. The underground is he- is hollow and heavily heavily populated with dark elves and orcs and what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are demi humans wandering the Earth alongside the humans, but humans are effectively very very much the dominant race all over the world. Yeah the the way that they have. Like, all of the demi-humans in this are basically, they're pretty much fine with sticking in one place, and they don't care about expanding. And they keep calling them the Elder Races. They were there when humans were young. When humans first got started, dwarves were already mining and wearing cool hats. Yeah. But but only in one mountain. There's, like, this one mountain where the dwarves are. We call it, I, I don't know, the, the Dwarfer Horn. And and, and uh, all the dwarves are there, and they're like, should we go to other mountains? Nay. <laughs> Why? <laughs> we have this mountain. We're good. Like I don't know where my dwarf's accent is going. <laughs> we have this it, mountain. It's good. <laughs> huh? Hey, I'm mining here. What's the matter, you? Huh? Why? Why you want to leave it a mountain? Huh? And then elves are like in Germany's Black Forest, and and that is it. And gnomes are the weirdest because I don't know where the fuck gnomes are. Gnomes they, are everywhere. They just keep mentioning gnomes as being like, oh, these guys are very technologically savvy. uh The big thing with gnomes in this book is that they were like. Gnomes, straight up, are the only elder race that loves humans. Yeah, and just gets on board with humans. So, the uh, gnomes are basically the most accepted of the demi-humans, because throughout all of, like, human history, gnomes have been like, we are 100% on board, what the fuck is up, humanity? So... And the book goes very, very deep into this chronology. I mean, it's like the first 60 pages of this thing, which is lucky for us because otherwise the game is straight up an OGL transfer. Oh, yeah. It's like got maybe five pages of new material that you'd use actually for the rules of the game. Yeah. Most of it's just this crazy story. So it's like, okay, and then humans expanded into the Middle East, and, and uh, what do they encounter there? But dragons! And so they had to fight some dragons, and then they take over Constantinople. Mostly it's just an alternate standard history of the world, uh, where Rome stays in power for forever, uh, because the gods are real. Well, it's it's got real gods, although, even though it says like, oh, gods are real, and the gods of humans are the reason there was the Great Flood, because they all fucked up trying to fight the titans and whatnot. Yeah. But... Even though all the gods are real, it only really mentions Norse and Greek because, of course, that's the only thing that nerds give a shit about. There's one point where they mention that no one ever goes into India. like, you, Oh yeah, y- India is completely just sealed off. Yeah, you can't go in there. And they mention that the, the leading conspiracy theory as to why no one's allowed into India is because the India gods are also real, but they're so real that they're just wandering around in there. They're and just hanging out. They're just hanging out, and so it's, it's just a god city-state. They also mention that the Chinese and Japanese gods are real, but in just super tiny blurbs that do not matter. No, because what matters is the Roman Asia pathion. has a ton of dragons, is their thing. Rather yeah. than worrying about gods, it's all dragons. So right right away, there was something that rankled me to no end while reading this history. Which, okay. Which was the thing that the demi-humans don't ever seem to expand or grow or care. They just get mentioned as the dwarves from the mountain did not like that humans were mining. And I'm like, okay, well, go to another mountain why aren't you guys expanding? Why are you still living in that one mountain? What's 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 the deal? The thing is, they are like sort of all over the place. Yeah, they mention that later, and they, they just they don't really it's discuss just they how have, they have like a couple main cities. So it'll be it'll be the difference between like, oh, I'm in some dwarf town somewhere, yeah. or like Iron Forge. Well, they never mention, like when they get to the, to North America, they mention that there's elves there already. Yeah, they're on the, on the west coast, and they don't really tell you how the elves got there already. They don't mention the diaspora elf. No man, just elves were there. They're the elder races. Yeah, they're just <laughs> they're already they're just around. Don't worry about it. They walked across the Bering Strait. What? It's just it's hilarious to me that not only are that when they get to other places they mention that demi humans are just there in roughly the same proportions and they tend to look the same as the humans in the area. So like the Asian elves will have Asian eyes. They say yeah. if you're like a halfling from africa you're probably darker skinned see i kind of understand that one cuz of melanin production but two races de- both developing epicanthic fold eyes <laughs> which is just sort of a genetic trait that happened from breeding and not from necessity is like why would that happen yeah but the answer is the answer is don't worry about it and and if you're if you're a dwarf and you're from england you're terrible so, you know, it's weird. <laughs> well, I mean, that's anything from England. Although you're not an English person if you're a dwarf from England, because the other thing that really drove me nuts is there's one sentence in the book that's like, and then as as uh Europeans were conquering North America, they did it by having to go into open conflict with the Native Americans and their allies, the elves. Huh. And I was like, "Wait, are they are, do, are they intelligent?" Yes. "Do they live in America?" Yes. But they're they're not Americans. Just the Native Americans are Americans. These are elves. Yes. El- so apparently the races don't get nationalities. Well, they're not native to there. They're yeah. just they're just around. They're just around. <laughs> they're just chilling. Don't ha- don't worry about it. There's elves here. It's, there are elves. I mean, granted, they look exactly like Native Americans because of that weird genetic match thing that we've already discussed. So yeah. so they've been living there long enough to assimilate. But they're not from there. No. They're they're just they're just there. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> The only uh, race that really gets any sort of expansion uh, tail is the Dwarves who end up uh, immigrating to America and taking over the Rockies essentially. Yeah, they get to, their capital is Telluride and so they have they have Telluride and then the Dwarves are very insular in the mountains. There are whole dwarf cities that no human has ever been to in the Rocky Mountains. Uh, And and they discuss how they thought it was going to be a great deal with the Americans to move in and take over this mountain. And then they're being treated as basically surf labor. Well, the big thing is, uh, because they were still part of the American empire, Mm -hmm. and that is the other big thing, is everything is empires now. Well, because Rome. Rome took over. Everywhere where there's white people, it's Romans. No, but it doesn't matter. Everything is an empire. It's like, what is this? Uh, We're the empire of the Zulu nation. Yes. But we're still an empire. Yeah, everyone's an empire. George... (laughs) George, George Washington is George Augustus the First. Yeah, he is it's, the first emperor of North America. Yeah, so get used to that sort of thing. But yeah, the the dwarves are mostly pissed off because they have to pay like taxes to the Americans, mm-hmm. and they put like one dwarf in charge. Oh yeah, and then he gets super rich. Yeah, so he's he's like, oh yeah, I'm all about collecting all these taxes. So like it it was. Sort of clever in the book, because I'm like, oh, that's a good thing, because it makes the dwarf anger over paying taxes be diverted to the guy who's collecting it and getting rich, that is one of you, rather than just being like, man, what the fuck, America. Yeah. Halflings are, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, they are the Roma of the game. Yeah, so the the halflings apparently got a raw deal because they were like, we're going to help out uh, the humans. And then all of their ancestral homes just got blown up. So they have no actual home and everyone hates them and they think they're thieves and then it turns out that by self-fulfilling prophecy now they are. Yes, they are thieves cuz they don't they aren't given any other options. They're basically the wandering bards and thieves of the game. Uh, they and it's weird the again the descriptions are so weird cuz it's like the halflings were kicked off of their original farm village and I'm like they're what? They what are they in a zoo? What, they had one village? No, they had they had a bunch of, like, shire-like towns, but all of them just burned to the ground. Because they helped humans in some war, mm. and then the people they were fighting against was like, oh, fucking, what is that, Hobbiton? Oh, I'm going to burn that shit to the ground. <laughs> it just seems like fun. I mean, <laughs> humans are in, like, big walled-off cities. This is just some fucking hills with dudes in them? <laughs> oh, fuck you guys. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of other races, all the D&D races you'd expect, uh, but they are basically boiled down to orcs live underground and are grumpy and evil, even though, you know, the game is set in the rough equivalent of the 1980s. I mean, the year is 4669 or something like yep. that because it's all Roman time. Yep. But uh, but it's basically the late 80s in the game world. And uh, so orcs have, you know, modernization. They have telephones and cars and stuff, but they live in cities that are just called Orc Orc City 1 and Orc City 2 because humans refuse to bother to learn the names of them. Oh, yeah. And they're described as basically just giant underground third-world countries. And the the whole underground thing is sort of, if you wanted to say that there was any main antagonist to this world, it would be that. So there's the, I guess, basically the drow Yeah, the Elfar, under there. The Alfar are drow. And they have an interesting story to them, where the Alfar, the, 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 the drow, were the first elves. And well, yeah, the, elves they, are- the, the, the elves and the dark elves used to be just one thing and they were the dark elves and then when they when the elves went up to the surface well the loki tricked elves into being like oh some great cataclysm is coming and the only way that you're going to be able to survive is to move underground yeah so he managed to convince a whole bunch of elves to do this and they all went underground and then he kept tricking them into being like oh well now you need to like do some weird magic and fight against whatever and then it also says that Apparently the elves know they just got tricked by Loki, and they're like, yeah, but that was a really good one, and we appreciate anyone who's able to trick people that well. (laughs) But it mentions that the Elfar belief system is that the elves of the surface have been cursed, which is why they're all very pale and white. I thought that was kind of neat, because normally that story goes in the other direction. Well, no, they, they know that they're like, oh, we got fucked over. Yeah. Like, we should be on the surface. There's no reason for us to be underground. We're all mutated and weird now. Yeah. They are basically the evil behind all the other evils. So they're the ones that are moving all the orcs into position to attack humans in various locations. Lots of the weird, like, monsters you find are in that uh, underground. So basically, in the world of Emperor Reagan, uh, which he's not called that, he's called Emperor Ronald the I. Yeah, and the one of my favorite things reading through the history of America in this was every time they would just mention emperors by first name, and I'd be like, all right, which one are you talking about? Well, that's that's the thing. Is that One of the biggest ones in American history is this guy who decided he could kill all the American dragons. Yeah. He was like, all right, dragons are huge and annoying and powerful, and they keep eating our villages, so I let's, think once, once we've invented guns, guns <laughs> yeah, let's just take these guns and go fuck up the dragons. And uh, and so they go to do that, and they almost do. They, they manage to kill a whole bunch of dragons, but it turns out that since dragons run Japan, China, and India... You can't kill all the dragons in America without getting into wars with three other countries. Oh, yeah. Well, at that point, it was like uh, they started doing this campaign. They killed off a couple dragons and like an ancient red dragon came up, blew up most of like near the capital. Mm -hmm. And then they got a message from Japan that was just, hey, if you keep doing this, we will murder you. We'll kill all of you if you do that again. So dragons are just around, but they mostly, you know, they live out in the wilderness and they don't bother humans and they don't worry too much if humans pass through their land. Well, the the big thing with dragons is it's the way the game makes it so that there are still wild zones in the world. Mm -hmm. Because if a dragon is living in some place in the world, then you've got like a whatever mile radius around him where... Humans just don't go. Yeah, they don't bother. You're not going to settle there, you're not going to do anything, because if you do, he's just going to kill you. Yeah. So everything in this radius around where dragons live is, like, this untouched wilderness, and it also has, like, these monsters and shenanigans there. Yeah, they love kobolds, so kobolds always pop up wherever they happen to go. So it, it ends up being like, oh, well, why isn't the world like it is now, and it would just be completely full of people and there would be no point where you would be like, oh, I'm going to go capture some fucking like, displacer beast to t- put in my X-Crawl game. And they're like, oh, well, the reason that happens is, one, we have the underground, and two, there are still wild areas because of dragons. There's more than that. They also, even though it's the 80s, the fastest airplanes are World War II-era airplanes. Well, there's a lot of tech that they just haven't, because well, magic, magic works, and that also brings us to the different, the disparity between magic and tech in this crazy world. Because at a certain point, uh, right around let's say let's say what would have been R zero BC, uh, they, there's a new cult springs up of people who believe that all these gods that definitively exist because they keep granting spells to clerics and sending down divine decrees and shit all the time, demonstrably start believing that there's only one true god who doesn't grant spells and and is aloof. And they become the, without a Jesus, they become the Messianics. Well, yeah, the Messianics are waiting for a Messiah, Mm -hmm. and they have a one-god philosophy, Mm -hmm. but they also have the philosophy of the magic is blasphemous. Yes. So they, they can't use magic, really. But they're living in a world where magic works and exists. I mean, like, normally your modern religions also are like, magic is evil. You know, they don't have to say it very often because there's not that many people trying to cast magic. No. But it's always somewhere in the religion bylaws. Yeah. Like, you read Everyone's the Bible. Like, don't suffer a witch to lose. Yeah, you look through that the Bible enough and you see a part where it's like, man, if you go into Canaan, watch out because they got necromancers. Yeah. Like, that's in there. But... <laughs> But in this world, there are necromancers, like real ones who can like raise dead. Right real these necromancers. Yeah. That's, so these, these, these uh, mess- messianics have made a very tricky choice for themselves. So their way to live is by technology. So they start inventing bombs and their guns and their guns and their guns. And their tanks. And the, yes, and their tanks. <laughs> and their bombs. And their bombs. <laughs> so, you know, you end up getting a point where the... Because they want to have television and cars and everything be real, the way that they get to that is through these uh these messianics and of course they are super persecuted Mm -hmm. like their whole thing is they're like oh well normally we just blend in with society and then uh try and convert people to our way of thinking which honestly this it's the same problem i have whenever there's the like cult of evil death gods because i'm always like who are you getting to join this like you go up to someone you're like hey man You know how uh, you go to the Church of Apollo and there's a cleric of Apollo and he demonstrably uses magical gifts from God? I don't think he exists. And that guy's like, yeah, that sounds right. Let me be hunted and despised by everyone so that I can help you build a paddle boat or some shit. (laughs) In case that messiah shows up. This is such a weird way to have done this. I feel like if the, if demonstrably Norsen and Roman gods are real, and demonstrably due to the fact that he doesn't grant spells, the Yahweh or or uh, Judy or, or what do you even want to call him in this situation that the monotheistic common god yeah. is not especially real. No, and the the other thing is they wanted to use, of course, some other stuff from history. Yeah, and being someone who has a Lutheran dad and grew up Lutheran, having them be like, "Oh yeah, uh, Martin Luther." was huge on moving this whole messianic cult thing and they tried to like destroy a bunch of magic things and whatnot and they kind of turned martin luther into like a weird terrorist and i was like all right well that was weird (laughs) well i mean think about it he did deface a church door oh my goodness that is basically (laughs) terrorism you know a lot of catholics thought so at the time Yeah, well, a lot of Catholics are stupid. Also, at the time. Don't. Yeah, fuck you, Catholics. God damn it. Come at me, bro. (laughs) Protestantism. I don't think he means this, Catholic listeners. Oh, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) Can't we just stick to being mean to British listeners? Oh, yeah, well, British Catholics are the worst. Well, no. First of all, Church of England. (laughs) No, Church of England's fine. (laughs) Church Church of England is like trying to be mad at someone who's like playing with a Rubik's Cube and doesn't understand the base concept of it. And they're just kind of like, I like colors. <laughs> like, you can't be mad at that guy. That's basically Church of England. Is- church of England is like, I, I like churches. I go to them and I say things. Yay, church. <laughs> vicar. Look, at I got a vicar and he has a robe. Yay. It's, I, I, it's I, kids I, playing make-believe with dress up and they're going to church. I don't, I don't endorse any of this. You know what? <laughs> Let's just go down the line. I'm doing every single Christian denomination. <laughs> What's weird, which is weird because the characters in the book, because they are still waiting for a Messiah, are a Jewish analog. Yeah, it was weird because the, like, Judaism being someone who's like, yes, we do have a Messiah myth, and mm-hmm. that's what we're waiting for, is, like, they end up being Christian analogs for a lot of the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are Jewish analogs. There's, there's depending sa- on where they are in the history point, they basically take the place of anything mm-hmm. that they wanted to be religious. Yes. So that's the Messianics. That's the reason there's technology, is because they need to invent it to compete with all the magic that definitely exists. Yeah, so they're like, oh, well, we can't cast magic missiles, so I made gun. So basically the way that magic works in a modernized eighty society is that the wizards have all arranged into a guild, and wizards, and because it's third edition, sorcerers, All have to register with this guild, and they are not allowed to cast a whole lot of spells. Specifically, scrying spells are inherently very, very illegal in the United States, or the Empire of America. Yeah. Uh, And then bards, uh, no one gives a shit. (laughs) It's my favorite thing in there. (laughs) Well, they're going on and on about, like, oh, yeah, if you're a wizard, you have to be registered with the guild in order to learn anything. If you're a sorcerer and it just comes to you naturally, if you don't register, they'll fuck your shit up and you have to go there so you can learn how to use magic responsibly and if you're a bard you suck and no one cares <laughs> no one cares about your dumb spells oh man good. I was like it's true though because it's 3rd edition and no one does no 3rd edition was fine for bards no 3rd I mean, edition was literally the worst for bards uh, bards were just garbage that's okay fair enough yeah 3rd edition bards were no good yeah s no bueno I'm thinking you 2nd edition where no 2nd edition bards were amazing they're rocked they were the best you're right 3rd edition well I'm gonna go ahead and say 1st edition is probably the worst for bards uh, since a bard in first edition is some multi- or dual-class monstrosity that has to go through like wizard and fighter and thief for a long time to unlock bardic tradition, and it doesn't really even do anything. Yeah, but it's, at that point, you're already like a high-level rad guy, so I, I don't think you're having a problem as a bard at that point. <laughs> if you can make it. Yeah. It also required a bunch of 17s and 18s and shit to do it. It was like, bards are in this book for no reason. You'll never be one. Yeah. They're like, hey, man, did you manage to get to the point where you're a bard? That's weird. Yeah. All right, so, so yeah, that's how magic works. There's a wizard's guild that everyone has to join if they have any kind of magic that matters. There's a, and then clerics are all in the temples. So if you're a cleric, you're a cleric of one particular Roman god because the Norse pantheon didn't creep into the into the empire. Yeah. So you you choose a Roman god, and Lord knows they're all in there. So you got your your uh, Apollo's and your Ares. I'm sorry, it's, it's Roman and not Greek, right? So yeah. It's, so it's uh, it's not Ares, it's Vulcan or sorry uh, Mars. Yes. So you get your Mars and Vulcan, and and you've a- got all of those. Now in the back of the book, they have all of the listings for that because they also give you some new uh, dom- domains, yeah, the priest for domains. So they have like arts and a few other domains like that, fertility because Venus and mm-hmm. all that. But they don't under the descriptions of the gods tell you what domains they have. <laughs> you just gotta so guess. Just, you just gotta kind of guess at it. <laughs> You're like, okay, well, I figure probably the the fertility domain goes under Venus. But I don't know what other domains she would have, so I just got to make that up. Well, I mean, you could probably use the ones from the earlier books. She'd probably be the, there's a love domain, for example, that she would definitely get. Also, the fertility domain is fucking rad. Yeah? I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, fertility domain, uh. And then I went, oh, no, wait, all of these spells are amazing. Your power is great. I love this. Yeah, because the art domain, for example, is a plus four bonus, circumstance bonus on craft checks when creating art. Yeah, great, good job. In a game about going into professional dungeons and fucking up professional goblins, you you can be a good painter. Oh yeah, and it is professional goblins, by the way. Yes. You want to start talking about X-Crawl and its history and shit? You think we're ready? Yeah, let's let's get into some X-Crawl. Okay, we'll come back. After X-Crawl, we're going to come back and tell you about the classes in this game. Uh, but here we go. Sometime, at some point, Emperor Reagan gets it in his head that the way to solve all the problems of the difference between the serf and nobility classes in the Roman Empire of America is uh death sport yeah well the there's a whole st- yeah, backstory. I'll, I'll give you the the cliffs notes to this uh they're like d and d basically existed and was popular mm-hmm. uh and then we found a sword called like war song mm-hmm. and it was around in like the prehistory fantasy age mm-hmm. so it was like here let me tell you all about like actual heroes that do dungeon crawling shenanigans And uh, let me tell you all about, like, this bard that I was with. So everyone then, even though, like, D&D was already popular in this world, it had this huge explosion of uh, newfound interest. And then one guy in particular was like, "Uh, I've seen mazes and monsters, so I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it turns out the, like, abandoned, abandoned building they were going to do this in had some, like, goblins in it. So they had to fight the goblins, and then they told the authorities that goblins were trying to fuck shit up in there. And uh, Ronald was like, good job, you guys. That's rad. Also, now I want to make a death sport based on this. So x comes into existence, a death sport based on Dungeons and & Dragons and on the history of this weird world. Uh, in the death sport arena, or the x arena, there are celebrities who are the judges. They're called DJs. Yeah, uh, and, and they th- all have stupid DJ names. They all have the worst names in the world. Their job is to basically design and manage the dungeons both before and during their operation. They pick the monsters. They hire mo- people to go out and find monsters in the world to staff the dungeons with. Uh, they design the traps and, and have teams lay out the traps, do the lighting. Uh, while the world is very backwards in terms of certain technology, such as uh, advanced weaponry and and airplanes... Oh yeah, there's it, they, We haven't gone into space at all. There's yeah. no space program. And there, People don't even know what space is. They're still at that phlogiston stage. <laughs> uh, but in terms of certain things, they're very advanced. So, for example, they can make Windows TV screens pop up in midair wherever they need to. Well, yeah, they have, like, uh, those TV screens where it's like, okay, we can have a wall made out of, like, TV, and then it can go transparent so you can see the crowd around you, and then it will then, like, display the DJ's face while he taunts you, stuff like that. Yeah, and John's not wrong. The DJs have the dumbest names in the world because one of the things in this book is it's supposed to be set in, like, the late 80s and your your party is supposed to have a cool team name and the DJ has a grad name and they all come out as the worst things. Oh, like, yeah, so you have, like, the main DJ in this is DJ Cudgel Up. Yeah, Cudgel Up. And Cudgel Up is a woman named Janice Klugman who... Uh, is called DJ Cudgel Up, and we keep saying it like that because it's spelled with a capital U and P and an exclamation point. Yeah, every time it every, has to be capitalized and an exclamation point. Yeah, and then you also have DJ Bone Daddy Terminus, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, DJ Pepper Tomato. Yeah. <laughs> so you get the general idea of what these are. And then the, the teams are all things like the Dungeon Gangstars. Oh, yeah. It's, it is the worst team names ever. Like, sometimes you'll get ones that are just like, we're the, like, San Antonio Sidewinders. And you're like, all right, sure. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Or, yeah, the, the South City Slammers. And you're like, yeah, okay, alliteration, a all right, uh, reference to violence, you're good to go. But when you spell dungeon D-U-N-G-U-U-N, <laughs> and then follow it up with gangstas, spelled with three A's and two Z's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good Lord. That And they are the main ones that we follow. Like the little uh, pre- uh text for the chapters like the little stories. Mm-hmm. It just follows the Dungeon Gangsta Az. <laughs> dungeon Gangsta Az. As they go through DJ Cudgel Ups arena. <laughs> oh God. And it, whoo baby. I can tell it's weird because the background elements are so bizarre. This whole world where uh, there's there's Demi humans that take that soak up all the racism. So, you know, no one no one hates black people because there's dwarves around. Exactly. Um, so they soak up all the the excess racism and then Rome keeps stays in power for forever because it's God's are real. And you've got Emperor Reagan. And it's funny because the end result, once you take this insane backstory and and drag it out to its logical conclusion, is visually and and uh, story wise identical to Frank Miller's Dark Knight. Ha <laughs> ha. It is 100% the same. You've got the way too powerful Reagan, like just being, oh gosh, we need to nucleate Russia. That, you got that. And then you've got uh, the weird people, the, the insane names for gangs, the news media that's all like, 15,000 people died today. <laughs> you've got that exact same shit. Uh. It, it, it ends up being the dark, Frank Miller's insane Dungeon Master Returns. <laughs> uh even the art is basically the same. The art is garbage. Let me tell you, there is a point where it's going through the history, and of course there has to be Hitler. Hitler shows up, takes over whatever the German Empire is called in this, I think they're still like Prussia or something, and goes to war and is having, like, they, they have a, uh, a union with Japan, mm-hmm. because Japan wants to mess up China. And then they have one with bugbears. And there is a picture of Hitler shaking hands with the bugbear. The bugbear looks sort of Mussolini-ish. And Hitler looks like a ventriloquist dummy. Yeah, they gave him the vert- those two vertical lines that start from the edges of the lips and then draw downward. And I'm just looking at it going like, this is just the worst thing I've seen. Don't do this. Because then it just looks goofy. Everyone looks rotten when you've got a hand up your butt. Mat, 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 map. map, map, map. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is? What? And then yeah, the same thing with any picture of Ronald Reagan looks like a stained glass window. Yeah, they're like, oh, we just decided to put weird random lines all over the place. <laughs> yeah, and then it just like cuts his image up into stained glass. <laughs> I, I don't know why it's doing that, but you know, some of the art I actually think is okay. My my problem with the art is the sexism, and it's it's a pervadi- pervasive issue throughout the course of the book. All the women are drawn in in dungeon, not just chainmail bikinis, but regular type bikinis. Yeah, there's a woman in this that you, there's. It's like every picture in the book is of this woman, even though we have no idea who she is. Is some sort of katana ninja wearing oh, a mask? Oh, she's in the dungeon ungangs Oh, she, she's one of the dungeon gangsta as. Okay, yeah, I think her name is like silent whisper or some bullshit for christ's sake of course it is i guarantee you she's one of those people that only speaks in japanese but understands english just fine and everyone around her speaks japanese just fine yep for the purposes of understanding her oh yeah and she's like a rogue so she jumps out from the shadows and is a ninja yeah but she's wearing a a bathing suit and a mask yeah pretty much which is, and then there's even this stuff about how like there's a quote at the beginning of one of the chapters. It's like, you know, it would really make money as if we could just sell shower footage of all the adventurer girls. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Because they're participating in death sports. I guarantee you they're all scarred up and shitty and, and, and they're probably all beat up and not especially hot to look at because they spend most of their time fighting for their lives. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I understand that that little section was trying to be like oh yeah let's evoke the idea of the the sleazy producer who's trying to like exploit our people but man anyone who's like oh yeah let's get into the shower with that person and oh man they've got a giant gash across like their entire leg that's just oozing right now and whoo baby i don't want to see that shit they have bigger more well-defined pecs than i do (laughs) don't I mean, I, I feel like it would be better to be like, man, these, these women and these teams are super deserving of our respect because they spend all of their time killing bugbears for a living. Oh, yeah. Like, they're just running around solving traps and just beating the shit out of monsters. But no, the book makes them into like, I'm Bambi. I'm the ditzy dungeon diver. Ooh, I'm the sexy cleric. Yeah. Ooh, let me put my hands on you to heal you. Oh, I broke that orc's back and a nail. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the, the book does actually have in it a thing where they're like, oh yeah, if you're rich, because this has the distinct, there's an aristocracy and there are commoners. Yeah. They're like, oh, if you're one of the rich people, you can buy to any of these dungeon crawl events because they usually last several days. Yes. You can buy the pay-per-view for it. And then in addition to being able to see all the fights and all that nonsense, you also get like cams in the showers and in their rooms and you get all the like interviews with them and stuff and again they use technology that that is far above the technology we have now to do a live stream that makes it so the showers aren't nude like they use magic steam and stuff to cover up anything that you might have seen yeah so there's there's nothing pornography rated because reagan is super anti-porn yeah so I swear, there's... I would I would try and ruin that. If I was a dungeon crawler, I'd be like, man, I'm going to just waggle my dick around as fast as possible. I am going to beat that sensor somehow. I'm going to put my dick I'm on TV. i going to beat my sensor with my dick. <laughs> like, be like, hey, what you got there, some smoke? What if I push my dick through the smoke? There it is, there's my dick. <laughs> <laughs> like, just as, just so I get them to stop doing that. And then kill you. Yeah. Because <laughs> this, is, this is one of those dystopian empires where, like, uh, the main thing that Regan has is like the head of the Mage Guild is his like illegal wiretapping equivalent. Yeah, he's like he the just, head of the FBI or something. Yeah, he scries he's, on everything for him. He's the only one, only one in the world who's allowed to use scry magic. Well, other people are allowed to. He's just the one who does it all the time. Right. But you me. have to get a special dispensation from the Mage Guild to even learn it. Yeah. And then anytime you use it, it has to be like under supervision yeah and it's the same with planar magic and a few other types of spells like if you like gate something in they're like do not fuck around with that yeah you have to do that in the college and you have to do it in a supervised controlled environment It's so there's some neat stuff to how magic works in the modern world in this there's a whole chapter on on copyrightable spells oh yeah which was great yeah because it made it so that the uh like normally you're like oh i need to spend like 20 gold pieces as a thing for this spell but in ones that are copyrighted, you have to spend like oh, I spend a one hundred dollar note, and then when it gets spent, it goes to me. Yeah, th- th- that was fairly clever. At first, I felt like it was a bit too much of a joke, where they're like this guy Melon Flaps or something. I don't remember his name. <laughs> I'm just gonna... Melon Flaps. It's, it's, I guarantee it's close. But, but but Melon Flaps invents this cool spell where you can see through the back of a fighter and shoot through him as if he's not there. Yeah. So it just makes it so that like. The back half of him becomes a window, yes. and you can just shoot spells and look through them so that when you're doing a fight in, say, a hallway, you can shoot a lightning bolt through him and not hurt him. Yeah, and then the spell has a, a uh, material component of 150 gold. Like, it's a note, like a, like a, a dollar yeah. bill, probably with Reagan's face on it. But And when you cast the spell, the money disappears, and it turns out that it's not being consumed by the magic, it's being teleported to Flapp's house. Yeah, so he turned into, like, a ridiculous mil- millionaire because... The army was using this, dungeon crawlers were using it, like, everyone was using this spell, and then they didn't realize until later that it was just giving him cash. Yeah. And and uh, it was funny, because it was like, uh, he didn't break any laws, there's no rule against this, but as punishment, he was killed, or no, he was sent to hard labor. But whatever, I thought it was like, his punishment, but he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> Doesn't matter, this is the dystopia. Yeah, so. You fucked with the United States money. Or the North American Empire's money. So there are a whole bunch of divisions that the uh, X-Crawl takes place in. It, it describes the, the... It does this great job. This is the thing about this book. The whole Roman Empire, uh, demihumans living in the, in the Rockies, all that stuff is stupid. It's it's not very well written. It doesn't hang together especially well. The history doesn't make any sense. It's, well, it's especially when it butts up against other things. When you first hear, like, oh, this is modern day, but, like... Roman gods are around, and there's sort of a American empire instead of that. And you're like, okay, I guess. But it just keeps giving you all of these details yeah. that make it worse and worse as you go. Oh, we never even finished that thought, by the way. When we were talking about how there was an emperor at one point who was like, let's kill all the dragons in America. And we, we started that conversation because we were trying to guess who that was. And his name was Emperor Howard the <laughs> First. And there are no presidents named Howard. Well, there's uh, Howard the Duck. Shake it body down out to the, the ground, because shot an arrow straight into my heart. <laughs> I, no.
1: Man, there's, there's I, that's never uh, leaving uh, my Howard head.
0: Howard Taft? Uh, William Howard Taft. Yeah, but, you know, it's a Howard. It's in there. I guess. I figured he was Howard Hughes. Uh, Howard Harrison? <laughs> William Howard Harrison. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Instead of dying after, like, 13 days in office. Exactly. <laughs> he was like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> All right, sure. <laughs> well, I mean, we had Emperor, like, john the first and john the second i was like hey it's john quincy adams hey <laughs> and john adams uh, look at that that's <laughs> and then great there's a john the third that's gonna come up a lot later yep that was great i loved it yeah that was sort of neat i guess uh all right so but but howard still it should have been emperor william the conqueror the, the yeah william the conqueror <laughs> william the fat-hearted they should <laughs> they should have called him yes william the square bottomed <laughs> William the fat hearted ran for emperor on a platform of reinforced concrete. <laughs> you don't run for emperor. <laughs> Especially not if you're taft. Hell hey. during his inauguration he called for a dramatic change and for a bacon cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, Taft, you were amazing, and everyone just gives you shit because you were fat. <laughs> you had to have a special bathtub installed. Hey, man, I want a special bathtub. Fuck you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the White House. You should you should totally get a special bathtub. Right? Man, I can't imagine the dumb shit you'd put into a White House. Oh, man. I would have like, one of those showers where there's the nozzles, like, all around Oh, the side you. nozzles? Ooh, baby. Man, them side nozzles. Yeah. I've never even had a shower in one of them side nozzles. I've never even had a shower. <laughs> 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 Let me tell you, it's a magical, wondrous experience. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's. Like I was saying, dungeon crawls are the uh, the dungeon judges are like you know the gods of Lo- they're like arcade from the X Men. Yeah, that's, you end up combining like arcade and Mojo, and you get these guys. Yeah, so there you go, and they're they're all they all have really stupid names, interesting personalities that bleed out into the way that their dungeons are run. Like Bone Daddy Terminus, for example, doesn't talk to people. No, and he just sends uh, all he'll ever say is good luck, and then he just sends in like wave after wave of skeletons because that's his deal. Yeah, but the the best of them is with the least stupid name dj devastator dj devastator is the best because he's also um, a weird monster yeah a weird monster wearing like uh sunglasses yeah because he's a floating head wearing sunglasses he's like a weird version of a beholder he looks like a beholder that got neutered or something like he doesn't have any of his eyeball things he just has flaps yeah he's got like a couple tentacles or whatever yeah but it's great cuz his entire story is he ended up like mind controlling his handlers and Taking all of these hostages, and the only way that he was like able to, like strike a deal was to become a DJ. Mm-hmm. So now he's he's in Division One because of the various divisions. Division One is sort of the the super super death. lethal. Yeah, it's the second most lethal because there's also unlimited di- unlimited. Uh, but he's a Division One DJ who is known for being like ridiculously lethal. Yeah, he's super dangerous. He always invites the families of, of the dungeon crawlers into his group. Oh, by the way, one of to probably say this last thing about the dungeons. Uh, it's not that you just have to survive. You also have to do it better than other dungeon parties that are running the dungeon right after you do. Yeah, so there, there will be, uh, depending on what it is, either like three levels of a thing and the first level you'll either run through and then they'll reset and have someone else run through, or... It'll be like, you run through this part of level one while someone else is running through this part, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the amount of time it takes you to get through the dungeon is then going to be part of your score. Yes. Uh, and let's see, I guess there's a few other things we could talk about. Monsters can surrender. If they do, it's bad form to kill them, but not technically illegal. Yeah. Uh, in fact, one of my least favorite things in this game is that the game does it away with a lot of the problems of, of third edition dungeon running. Like, yes, there's traps everywhere, so you should have a rogue there who's constantly checking for traps. Of course you should, you're on TV. Yeah, and Uh, the the fact that uh, you can't use scry magic, certain spells are disallowed because of the Mage Guild, so it gives you an in-universe reason, and then, like certain weapons and gear isn't allowed yeah, you can't so have you can't, guns yeah you can't just be like oh my fighter takes in a mini gun and fucks everything up yeah you also can't bring in gear from outside in general you can only get, take gear that you find in there or that is provided to you so that the dungeon treadmill makes perfect sense and you can't just play my character's rich outside the dungeon that doesn't come up yeah so um, you can only spend money you make from dungeon crawling on dungeon loot yes so you can't be like oh i strike a deal with like weird X-Crawl Nike and get a million dollars and spend it on fat magic items. Yeah, so none of that happens, but... If a monster surrenders and you accept its surrender, it then is offered a huge bonus if it gives up on its surrender and successfully kills you. Yeah, if you turn your back on it, it can attack you, and then if it kills you, it gets like some big monster bonus. This is super dumb because all it's going to do is lead to players having a ritual they have to do whenever a monster surrenders. Yeah. The moment they learn that this is a thing, here's what's going to happen. We defeat the monster. Oh, the monster feels as though it is defeated. It takes a knee and offers to surrender. We all stare at it until it's taken out of the room by its handler. Yep. What great. That's why did we set this up? You know you knew when you were writing this that their players would always do that. No players ever be like, "I accidentally turned my back on the monster. I hope nothing bad happens." Yeah. It's so, just so dumb. Yeah. So, it's just it's just a pointless additional ritual that they accidentally created. Yep. So, okay, let's move on. Let's talk about the classes as they exist in the world of Dungeon Crawl or Man, X-crawl. In X-crawl the opportunity to have cool, updated versions of the original classes was right there. Mm-hmm. Like you could have made super awesome versions of everything. Like if you're a barbarian, it's not that you're a standard barbarian. You could be like, oh yeah, this is a guy who's just super into showing off for the crowd. He takes a lot of roids. He is the he's like a biker, like like a biker or a, a really angry dwarf or. Or, you yeah. know, like a soccer hooligan. That's, that, they get into that a blind, be, drunken rage. That would be a cool update on Barbarian. Instead, Barbarian is literally the exact same, and it's, oh yeah, if you're a Barbarian, you have to be from the wilds. Uh, You can't even level up if you're in a city, because you have to be in the wild to feel comfortable. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, so this world is the late 80s America... A dystopian late 80s America, but for some reason, there's still Ragnar of the North stomping around out there, and maybe you can talk him into being in your dungeon crawl. Which this is... I mean, that's, that's okay if you go, yeah, that's out there. One of them. One guy is out there, and that's a weird thing to be like, oh yeah, my party went like camping for like a weekend, and we came across a weird actual barbarian out there. You'd be like, oh, that makes for maybe a fun story, but to say literally every barbarian that exists has to be like conan wandering the wastes this is the thing that's going to consistently plague this game's character class creation fighters for example can be whatever ex-soldiers ex-cops bikers they can use all the guns in the game automatically because they're fighters but they don't get to an x-crawl anyway so they they modernized and updated the core four classes rogues yeah, you're like oh i'm a wizard i mean the wizards guild uh i've probably got a cool desk job if i'm doing x-crawl it's Mostly because this is how I'm going to be able to, like, get a subsidy to continue my education because I've got student loans. Yeah, and then clerics work for the temples. Uh, and, uh, you know, rogues are, like, hackers and, and uh, locksmiths and lockpicks and stuff like that. They update those four. The other classes that are still in the game, oh, monk makes sense, too, because it's a guy who fights with his fists. So that one's fine. But even then, it's still like, oh, yeah, you're probably some guy who went to, like, Tibet and studied in some temple instead of being like, what are you? Oh, I'm a back alley brawler. Or I'm an MMA fighter. No, it's all just, oh no, you had to go find, like, the Temple of the White Tiger in order to learn your Kung Fu. Right. So this is the thing that, that consistently plagues these classes, all of them, is I was, when I went walk got to the class section, I was like, oh, okay, in this world, X-Crawl is the biggest sport there is, and it's fighting. So this is going to be like professional wrestling. The classes are going to be, oh, you have all the powers of a paladin, but you're not really a paladin you're a guy who fights like a paladin and they even use the uh heel and face terminology they do like, they, they have a, when you're making your character, you decide right then whether you're going to be a heel or a face because that's how you're going to get dungeon points. And then Paladin in particular is the biggest disappointment there is because the way it does it is like, Paladins will never participate past the Division 3 of x because Divisions 2-1 and Unlimited are too sinful and tempting for the upright nature of these holy warriors. And I'm like, okay, first of all, no they're not because paladins aren't just paladins of god. They're not still Charlemagne's bodyguards. Huh. That's that's not what they are. This is a paladin of Mars. This yeah. is, it worships well, a war god. The thing is they in the book they're like, "Oh, these paladins like don't even give a fuck about whatever god they follow. They just do justice. They're just got a big justice boner." You are like, "Uh, this is the most boring interpretation of a paladin you could do." It's the it's the interpretation from the core book. That's all they get. All the classes are the same way, like, oh druids. Druids are hard to find and get into Xcrawl because they're too busy out there in the wild being druids. Yeah. Just they're out just there hugging trees. Hugging trees and living in forests and wearing bird hats. That's that's what they do. Mystic bird hats. But why would they why do they have to be that? Why can't a druid be a farm boy who's like, oh, I learned all my druidic magic from living on a farm? Yeah. I was like, oh, why do I have all of these weird spells that are like farm and outdoors related? Because I live in a logging community, and that's what I do. Yeah, like I go out there and I raise the trees so that after we start cutting down in one area, I can make another area grow faster. It's just the weirdest thing in the world, because this whole book is like, all right, you're going to be going through a the deaths are real, but the story is fake super dungeon on TV in a dystopian Dark Knight Returns future Rome led, led by Emperor Reagan. But all of the classes are straight out of D&D central casting. Yeah, it's so weird. It's just a terrible choice. It's it's so dumb. It doesn't make any sense at all. There's one new class in the game that we have to talk about, and yep. that is the the athlete. We get the athlete, and he is straight up just a, like, Bo Jackson, you are good at sports, and you get better at other sports as you get, like, higher in level. Well, so he uses the third edition uh, Ranger favored enemy model. So at first level, you pick one sport that you're good at, and before you ask, yes, X-Crawl is a sport, Yep. So you pick X-Crawl. You always pick X-Crawl. Of course you do, because you're playing this game. Yes. You're not going to be like, all right, what sport are you good at, like first-level athlete? Quoits. Oh, I'm really good at Kabaddi. I'm a surfer. Kabaddi. <laughs> Kabaddi, 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 Kabaddi. <laughs> all right, five Indian listeners, you just got a really good joke about you, a sport from your country. <laughs> good job, guys who know what Kabaddi is. I'm not going to explain it. Moving on. But no, you're going to pick x crawl, and it gives you a bonus to all skills related to doing something athletic in that sport. When you get third level, you get another sport, and your old sport goes to plus two, and your new sport's at plus one. And so on until your original sport is at plus five. You also get a few other bonuses. Uh, I think they're feats that have to—you just get bonus feats every once in a yeah, while that have like to be sport-related. Sh- yeah, you're like a shitty fighter because you're like, oh, you get a bonus feat, but it's from this list of feats. Yeah. And it's like, what did you get? Oh, I get, like— it's skill bonus baseball yeah, and then it's got the uh it's basically it's it's that design you see whenever people added new classes to the game of third edition D D, where it's just like all right pick three things okay great now divide them up so that the player gets one every other level until they're level 20 so when it's uh, every three levels they get a plus one to this dumb skill that they're never going to use every three levels next level up they get uh, a weapon thing It's just boring. Like, nothing. your character's never going to change or be interesting. No. And, I mean, it says that Athlete is, like, the perfect multi-class thing for whatever, because they're like, oh, yeah, maybe your guy was, like, a football player, and then he decided that he wanted to do X-Crawl instead. You go, okay, maybe, but that... That sounds terrible. It doesn't even work unless he transfers into one of the core uh, the core two. He could either transfer into fighter or rogue. If he was like, "Oh yeah, my character was a professional basketball player and then he decided to be Conan." <laughs> and then he just wandered out into the desert and came back with barbarian levels. Yeah, it doesn't it it doesn't work. You can't be like, "My character's Bo Jackson because Bo knows baseball and Bo knows druidism." <laughs> That would be amazing, though. (laughs) If, like, Bo Jackson was sitting there and it it does the commercial for, like, all of his sports gear and he's running through doing, like, football and it cuts back and he's, like, raising a plant. Yeah. The other funny thing to me is that with Druids, they were like... Okay, Druids are a very difficult class to play in this game because you're not allowed to bring friends into the arena with you. So you can't bring in your animal companions. And I was like, oh my god, this person never played Druids in 3rd Edition, did they? Well, it's the same thing with Rangers. Rangers can't bring in an animal companion. Oh, no. Rangers can't. Well, it's a 3rd Edition. Can the Ranger take one level of Ranger and then transfer to something else? Boy, howdy can he. That's what he's going to do. In fact, they're better at doing that because in this this world, Rangers don't just get those two feet choices that they had. It's any two combat feats that are in a chain. Yeah, because they're like, uh, archery and dual-wielding, not really super popular anymore. Yeah, so, so you can be like, uh, you, t- you take point-blank shot and then fast shot, because it's the next one in the chain, you can do that with any two combat feats. And then you can give up on Ranger, because it's boring for the next 30 or 20 levels. Yes, sir! So, so instead, you take one level of Ranger and then jump to Rogue or Fighter and you're done. Yeah, you take one level of Ranger and get like, power attack and cleave or whatever the favorite you're enemy yeah and you yeah move move on so that's uh that's I, but th- like i said i don't think they ever played druid because they're like druids can't take their pet wolves in the dungeon oh okay well can they still do what druids actually do which is turn into a bird fly up to the top corner of the dungeon and cast lightning bolt over and over again or on the other hand turn into a bear and be a better fighter than the fighter yeah can they do those things cuz frankly i wouldn't care if they if they couldn't bring <laughs> their bear in there uh, summon monsters do work, and there's also a system in the game by which you can cast signature uh, powers, where you can be like, I have a combo. Well, yeah, there's signature moves because, again, this really wants to evoke the idea of professional wrestling. Yeah. So you're like, oh, what do you have? I've got the rock bottom, and when I do it, the crowd goes wild. Yeah, so you have the call, which is where you announce the move you're about to do. And it, it can be verbal, or you can do the whole like, I take off my one elbow pad and then give my eyebrow to the audience. Yeah, do the thing where I get up on the top rope and, and exhort the crowd. Yeah, the, I just do the, like, two-hand, hey, hey! The thing where I dramatically drink none of a beer. <laughs> uh, two of none of a beer. <laughs> stone cold. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, So there's all these cool things that make your character a little more dramatic. But again, it doesn't really flow because it's like... I am Ragnar of the Hill People, and now I will do the Stone Cold Stunner. The The other thing is, you get, like, a point. Because there are dungeon points that let you get, like, levels in how cool oh yeah. of a dungeon There's like a Marcus Queensbury rule set that's like, oh, did you kill a monster? You received two points. Yeah. So it has that, and some dungeons, instead of being time-based, are based on points, mm-hmm. but mostly the points are like how famous are you is yes. the dungeon points which but is gonna with, come right up but with this the fucking doing the signature move is one you have to spend a turn doing the call yeah then you have to do one action then a different action that can't be the same type of thing like it can't just be i uh, hit a guy. attacking i hit him again yeah Yeah. and then you have to do like an end flourish Yes. So you have to spend four rounds to basically do one attack. It is never worth it if you're in a life-or-death situation. The only one that seemed okay was the wizard one that was like summon a monster and then cast a slow spell on your opponent. It was like, well, those are things you're going to do anyway. Oh, yeah, because the wizard gets to be able to do, oh, your, your actions can be two different spells... But the if you're a fighter, is, you can't just be like, I hit a guy and I hit a guy. They read When when the people who wrote this game read through the third edition book, the thing they took away is, man, wizards aren't powerful enough. <laughs> Let's fix that. Because they were like, all right, you know how no one can bring dungeon stuff in from like, they can't uh, spend their own money on dungeon stuff and whatever? It doesn't apply to wizard scrolls. Uh, wizards can bring as many scrolls as they want into any dungeon. They have a number of spell levels that they're allowed to bring in, and it's like, a, a Division one dungeon, you can bring in 60 levels worth of scrolls. Yeah. Which, what? Why? You get a... Bu- the, the weirdest thing about this game is that it gives you a tremendous amount of chances to rest and recuperate, but giving wizards just... Oh, wizards are probably going to need to take like so many extra spells in with them, you guys. <laughs> it's, it's not clerics or anything, though, but wizards. Wizards are going to need so many extra spells, so we're bending the rules for wizards. Yeah. Of uh, all the third edition classes, the one they figured needed fixing was wizards. Yeah, the... Uh... The whole thing, the way it's set up is like when you finish a level, you get just a safe zone to rest in mm-hmm. and like monsters aren't allowed to go in there. You just get like a full night's sleep and there's you first aid guys and like, yeah, you get like uh, medical coverage and I whatnot. Like, that was the thing I liked in here was that the medical coverage was the the heal skill can actually restore hit points because it's advanced medicine. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Okay, so one last thing we really got to talk about. We didn't get to them yet. The prestige classes. The book comes, of course, because it's an OGL licensed game, has to come with some prestige classes. This book goes around the usual method of prestige classes, which is named version of the fighter, wizard with a different spell list, and so on, by giving you three prestige classes that have nothing to do with X-crawling that you would never take. Yep, it is just just awful. I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't say that. All three of them are tangentially related to X-Crawling, but you would still never take them. No, because so f- they're they're related to the world as it relates to X-Crawl, not being in the X-Crawl event. Yes. So the three are celebrity, which is a professional, famous person. You get a D4 hit points per level, uh, no spells or anything, and you get a bunch of abilities that relate to working the cr- working crowds and negotiating better deals. Which the like you can get. Uh, points to up your fame by mugging or trying to, like, get the crowd going or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you do get bonuses to that. So, like, being a celebrity makes it easier to be famous. And so that's, it I makes mean, you, I was like, all right. It makes you good at being famous. But a lot of it's stuff like, if someone releases a nasty rumor about you in the tabloids, you're better at spinning it so it's not that bad. And it's like, oh, I loved, there's one of the abilities you get is... If someone asks you a question, you can not answer it, and it's fine. Yeah. Because you just spin it into something else. They're like, oh, when you were in this dungeon, why did you attack your friend there? And you go, well, you know, that's a good question. When I like to drink a uh, good drink, I get a Gatorade. And you're like, <laughs> just, you answer nothing, yeah. and it doesn't matter. Great question. The Sultan of Brunei offered me $2 billion for a deal, and Trump stakes. and... <laughs> Yeah, it gives you that power. The second one is Trapper, which is a ranger, basically a ranger prestige class that relates to capturing and but not killing monsters out in the wilderness, so you can sell them to dungeons. Yeah, uh, and it gives you bonuses to non lethal attacks on monsters and tracking. It is very similar to just ranger in general. Yeah, it's just a ranger, but you're better at like non lethal. Yeah. So there you go. End of story for that one. You get slightly better at, at hunting in specific areas as well. And then the third one is dungeon judge you can become the person who runs the dungeons yeah so instead of it being your dm taking the place of the dungeon judge you can have a character that is a dungeon judge that or the I, it's, dm's it's there pc for, yeah it's there for npc construction yeah. yeah that's what it is it's there so when you're building your npc and the players are like well how do i know he's a dungeon judge you'd be like because he has seven levels in dungeon judge how about you shut up <laughs> oh okay are we going to fight him or something why are you spending all your time statting him out Oh, just in case. Just in case. You never well, know. I mean, the the weird thing is it feels like the game wants you to have a lot of stuff outside of the games. Like all the car prestige, chases. Yeah, and... all the prestige classes, it gives you rules for like how you do a car chase. It gives you all of this information about the rest of the world and how they relate to you. And like if you're a dungeon crawl, like X crawl guy, uh how how does your fame affect getting into clubs? So it has all of this stuff that makes it feel like the game wants you to role-play outside of the games a lot. But just role-play, because it's a lot of stuff like, oh, you're very good at getting free prizes and like washing machines and getting into the hottest nightclubs. Yeah, but, it, but if you're a wizard and you're like, oh, in the real world, outside of X-Crawl, I cast Charm Person, I'm probably going to be thrown into jail for rape. Probably. And, and, and it actually says that. And right, you should be. Yeah, they're like, no, if you use any mind control outside of X-Crawl, you're just done. Yeah. Like, the Mage Guild will show up and be like, if it was minor, like, you just got someone to give you a free meal, we'll give you a fine and maybe some jail time, and if it was anything else, you are dead. It's interesting, because these rules are neat. They're like, oh, yeah, your character's going to be really good at schmoozing crowds, you're going to get more and more famous, you're, when you retire, maybe you'll open up a bar so you can tell all your, lo- your legend stories, you're going to be so good at getting into clubs and whatnot. To me, it's like, these are interesting things. But imagine if the world was not about X crawl and it was not if it was actually set in regular D anD D and it was like at level four you get really good at picking up tavern wenches (laughs) you can pick up two wenches per D six you it's like well okay but I don't care because that's not that doesn't do anything for my character it's got nothing to do with anything it's just in fact it impedes role play it it implies that I was not previously able to pick up tavern wenches yeah um but at, at level seven if someone outside of the inn says that you stole a horse. You can spin it and make it look like they stole the horse. Great. Like, okay. But again, that's that's a story benefit. It doesn't seem like I need to have that codified. That's what a lot of this stuff is. Yeah. And I understand the there is a lot of interesting things you could do with that world related to Xcrawl. Oh yeah, for sure. But the it is that whole like problem of if a ability exists in there. It means you can't do it unless you have it. Yes, and and the the celebrity class makes it so that most of the benefits you could be of being like, oh, my character's a famous bard. He's real good at playing guitar, and he takes a guitar into the into the dungeon, and and he plays. He has it plugged in, so he's like playing electric guitar at the dragons and stuff. And he's real famous because of this, and he's like a huge rock star. Oh, that's too bad because he can't spin things that he when he's talking to reporters because that's the spin power. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's weird to me that they decided that something like celebrity was going to be something you were going to spend five levels on yeah uh, such a weird i I, I don't know why they thought that was going to be a thing like i understand if you were in a game that was based on a point by system or wasn't class levels whatever and you went yeah i want to spend some like feats or i want to put some points into being a cool celebrity yeah, that, that sounds like a thing you could do. Yeah, 3rd Edition has those tools. You could do it with feats just fine, or skills. Yeah, but instead, it's like, did you want to waste five of your levels on something that sucks? Like, that will give you a weird power outside of the main thing that you do? Yeah. And you're like, no, because I only have X amount of levels to use, and if I'm using them on Celebrity it means that I will then go into the dungeon and get murdered. Yeah, it's like if you're playing regular D&D, and one of the prestige classes you had an option for was bartender. Or or if it was like, oh, what do you have? Uh, I have the uh, foppish dandy prestige class, and it means I'm really good at talking to people in court, and I can come up with witticisms. Uh, What else? Oh, when I go into a dungeon, it does nothing. Literally nothing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, your people are gonna tell you that there are several foppish dandy prestige classes by the way the the <laughs> list of the list of foppish dandy prestige classes that are about to be emailed to you is legend <laughs> uh now give me one that isn't based on bard <laughs> <laughs> I mean Pathfinder, for example, has the uh I, I forget what book it's in, but they have the the batman as yeah, a, they have the Vigilante Vigilante is a character class Ugh. uh boy, okay, so let's get to our favorites and least favorite things about x crawl sure but, thing lots to unpack in a book that doesn't have any new rules, huh yeah. All right, so, John, what would you say is your favorite thing about X-Crawl? I love the competition-based dungeon crawling. Oh, yeah. Like, that is the best idea in here. The idea that you would be running a dungeon, like, simultaneously with another group, and you'd be, like, jockeying to try and get through rooms faster than them, or if you were in the same dungeon, you might, like... See them progressing and want to go faster. Yeah, in some countries they have illegal unsanctioned X-Crawls where you can actually fight the other teams. Oh yeah, they have like weird PvP X-Crawl. Yeah. In some, they have ones where everyone is just bare-knuckle brawling as your dungeon crawl. Yeah. There's all kinds of interesting variations, and the thing is, those variations are cool. There's stuff that you can never talk your party into in a regular D&D game. No, if you were like, I want everyone to go through this dungeon, but I want you to leave all of your gear behind, they'd be like, you're fucking stupid. You're ruining the experience because our gear is a part of our character. But in this, it's like, well, yeah, but if you do it, you get a Kenmore washing machine and a million dollars. You're going to get a lifetime supply of turtle wax if you do this shit. Come on, man. Yeah. You're going to get so much rice And your fans care. If your fans see you turning this down because you're like, I need a short sword, then they're going to lose all respect for you. Exactly. Like, the the idea of competitive dungeon crawling is going to be what I'm going to say is the best thing in here. Yeah. So, for you, best thing in X-Crawl. I'm just going to say the core premise as well. I'm I'm not going to necessarily say the competition with the other teams, but I love the televised nature, and I love the interaction of the DJ, the dungeon master... Like, there you go. You can you can take the uh, crowd interactions, I'll take the competition Sure. Over. Well the thing the thing is the DM, because the DM gets to play a character in the world who can pop into your room and be like, Hey guys, this next room is a little watery, but if you survive it, you're gonna find a pearl of wisdom. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha <laughs> and then just teleport out again, and the next room's like underwater and there's like giant clams and stuff in it. <laughs> It's, I mean, that's so great that you can just have a direct interaction. You can lead your, pe- Your. I love that this is a game that encourages you to grab your players by the nose and drag them through a dungeon. So by the time they're like, uh, I think instead of going into this dungeon, I'll just head in the direction of Shadowdale. I feel like fighting Elminster. Oh, I, I hear that there are rumors of the undead in the forest. Well, I don't like the undead, so we leave town. You're yeah. Like, oh, come on. No, I- in this, you can't get away with it. This is, this is the pure essence of railroading. Yes, it's. Hey, did you sign up to do the San Antonio crawl? Well, fuck you, you're in this dungeon. Listen here, I'm DJ Mark Summers, and you're going to fight those orcs underneath that giant plastic nose. Oh, man, you, you've you got to find the key to get out of this room as a gelatinous cube slowly moves towards you. <laughs> also, there's whipped cream all over the place, I don't know. Your team's going to have to throw Ioun stones, and you need at least eight of them circling your head to progress to the next <laughs> round. You've got a bucket on your head, and you need to throw kobolds into it. <laughs> ochre jellies. <laughs> Fill this bucket with ochre jellies or you're going to get slimed. Yeah, All right. that would be great. Double Dungeons and Dragon Dare is my new game, by the way. Oh, uh, Double Dragon Dare. <laughs> that's happening. I. And that's the thing. Is The core premise is so good and you so can do elegant. so much with it. Yeah. And then the problem... Well, let's just do it this way. John, what's your least favorite thing in this game? Uh, the entire, like... North American Empire thing it just it feels unnecessary and like I know that they want there to be like oh well you're in a dystopia we want to have this cool setting for you the problem is you give us this setting but you've made it so that it's essentially just a cudgel so that you can cudgel get up, up. <laughs> but it's it's just Oh, if one of your players decides they don't bow to Emperor Ronald, he murders them. Oh yeah, that little write-up scene was stupid. Oh yeah, there's was... there's all this DM advice and yeah. it's... Don't be a, afraid to kill your players without letting them roll anything. Yeah, in a world where you are railroaded as hard as possible, it gives all of this DM advice that's like... Oh well because you're in a dystopia maybe the FBI is scrying on you at all times and if your players ever do anything illegal maybe they get killed for it. And I'm like, "Don't, fucking god, don't do that." Yeah, the scene with uh with Reagan where he shows up to congratulate the team and this guy's like, "My character never bows to anyone. He does not bow to Emperor Reagan." Yeah, he is he uh promised his father on his deathbed that he would never bow to anyone. Yeah. And the guy and, and so Reagan's just like, uh, "Have him killed." And he is just taken off the screen and killed. Yeah. And it's like Okay, you don't. Instead of doing that and slowing down the game and forcing your player to roll a new character, just be like, no, because Reagan will have you killed. And the thing is, the blurb says, "Hey, you know that uh, if you do this, you're going to get fucked up." And he's like, "Don't care, don't care. Got to not bow to Reagan." And you're like, "Okay, well, great, <laughs> right, Well, good job. You really you ran your story the way you intended to. You got killed <laughs> by Reagan. You did it. Good job. <laughs> Everyone's pleased." Sure. So yeah, the the worst thing to me really is the dystopian quality to this? Because you don't need it in x Uh For you, uh, the, the two major elements of Dungeons & Dragons, the races and classes, are kept in this game exactly as they are with no real strong research into how they would interact with a new world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the races, for example, the el- like I've mentioned before, the elves are just around. Elves living in America aren't American. They're just elves yeah, they, they just, just found a forest in like Portland, and they're hanging out there. Yeah, just, I'm, a, I'm an elf. Or, well, are you an American? Oh no, I'm an elf. Like that's it. Just they they should have just assimilated them. They should have given them the cultural experiences. Like you should have stories about halflings that moved to America, and we're like, oh my gosh, all the cities are so big. You know, and, and learn to assimilate and become seamst- uh, like uh, sail- seamstresses. seamstresses and what have you. <laughs> just it'd be neat to have that kind of uh, those Horatio Alger-, Alger stories happening to gnomes and stuff. Instead, it's just like dwarves move to the United States and there are dwarves there. Yeah, they wear the, the horn hel- helmets and drink ale. Yep. And so that was that was a disappointment, and the fact that the classes have no regard for the modern world. Yeah, that's the main issue with that is it, it doesn't make any classes. sense. Where are they getting them? Where are they like, all right, let's go out into the... We need to find some guys to run this dungeon. Our city is full of trained professional dungeon runners, uh, mercenaries, people who could totally do this. But what I like to do is go out into the wilderness and find paladins. Thing is, you don't because the book is like, yeah, you have to sign up for it. And it essentially says, hey, don't play a druid, don't play a barbarian, don't play a paladin, because those characters wouldn't join up. And they barely exist. And that was stupid. They should have rewritten it, so yes, they do. Yeah, the fact that they really pushed heavily the idea that no, none of these classes would ever join up and you shouldn't do anything with them. I'm like, but why? For a book that's The Dark Knight Returns to Rome, that is a shocking lack of imagination. Yeah. They could have been like, barbarians, these guys have to level up in the wilderness. Or they're soccer hooligans. (laughs) Or not. They just don't. They're cool. They're just a kind of fighter that rages out from time to time. Yeah. Uh, That was just weirdly unimaginative. So I'm going to say the integration of the D&D elements other than The Dungeon is a professional TV show? Yeah, God, I wish this went even heavier into the pro wrestling thing. If it leaned into that pro wrestling idea harder, that would have been amazing. Yeah, that's what this game should have been is, or I I mean, what do I know? I, I don't want to take credit for these writers, but what I would do if I was writing this game is... Okay, you li- the heel face thing is super important. Uh, you're going to get rivals on other teams that you're eventually going to have to fight. You're going to have tag team matches. You're going to have to do ladder stuff. All the crazy wrestling matches are just ported directly into this exactly as they are. You have to get that, that suitcase down off the top of the ladder before the giant snakes eat you. I was going to say, the thing is, you don't even need other teams. You can just be like, what do you have? You go into a room. There is a key dangling from a rope. There is a ladder in the room, and you have to get that key before the bugbears do. <laughs> like, there you go. That would have been the way to lean in, to say all the classes work exactly the same as they really do, but they're showmanship and artifice. Yep. If your character's the Paladin, it's because he's Stone Cold, or or uh, who else is a really good guy wrestling? Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle. Or he was. Yeah, didn't he go, I, I thought he went heel recently, so. Yeah. But he used to be like the, I'm the Super American Olympic and oh. uh, here we go. Yeah, see, that's your Paladin, the, the guy who's just too good. You're uh, And you, you just run right on down the line. every yeah, you're s- like, I'm the Paladin John Cena. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh you could have the monk ray mysterio (laughs) think about it. you could pretty much line them up one from one from one to the next uh yeah any of the high flyers you can really do as your monks or anything like that the rock there is no way he's not a bard he plays the crowd like no one ever has Uh, uh, uh. i would say the same thing about randy savage Just just knows how to work it, work and the mic. You've got a druid and Jake the Snake Roberts. Thank you. I was I was Thank com- you. I was thinking of any way I could avoid saying Kamala. <laughs> <sighs> Mostly because he I believe he fought in a in a loincloth and I was like, Oh, he's supposed to be a nature thing. Yeah, no. That would be more barbarian than druid, but yeah. Eh. But barbarian's really where you're gonna put your like Andre. Yeah. Well you're here, Andre's the giant. Yeah. <laughs> You're Andre's giant, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that would have been so cool if they were like, "All right, Paladin is just an artifice you put on. Your character's a your your character plays the noble hero." In fact, I would love it if your character didn't even believe that shit. No, it would be great if you're like, "What are you? Oh, I was uh I I was a trained locksmith. Basically, I'm a workaday like blue collar guy. But when I go into the X crawl, I have to like put on some leather armor and sneak around and." Really try and uh, play up the rogue aspect. Yes, I call myself Cut Purse Kurt. <laughs> Cut Purse Kurt angle. I have to follow some moves and sneak around <laughs> and be careful not to make a sound. Too many episodes in a row. Too many. <laughs> Too many in a row. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so that's that's what I would have fixed. It, uh, but let me ask you this Would you play this game? I would play in the world of X Crawl. I don't think i would play the third edition straight from the book version of this this is this might be another ogl game where there was some book that they wrote in the first place that they converted into third edition to ride the wave possibly though this does feel like the kind of thing where they went all right what can we do with uh the ogl in order to make it new yeah and and someone went what about a modern thing oh they already did that all right, well, what about modern, but it's stupid? Oh, they've done that a bunch of times. <laughs> All right, what okay. about modern, but it's stupid, and it's tournament-based dungeon crawl? We got that already, but there isn't one that's a modern tournament-based dungeon crawl that looks like Frank Miller wrote it. Ah, uh, sold. There it is. <laughs> we got there. <laughs> yeah, so I would I would play it if it was basic, like even other editions of d and I would do it, but getting rid of something like The Celebrity and doing that, just tweaking it, I would play in this world. Again, I feel like the easiest way to answer this question is I would steal the core concept and run away with it. Oh, yeah. The- well, thing is, like, I would play this in 4th Ed, no problem. Oh, yeah, sure. Fourth edition would really lend itself to this because well, you could. Because you Super can, reskin. Well, yeah, because you could reskin anything into anything, and also you could very easily lay out dungeons in their little collections of squares. Yeah. You're which like, the, the book has a dungeon in the back mm-hmm. that's like, oh, if your guys join this crawl, here's a dungeon they could run through. Yeah. And it is laid out with just all the little squares and the. The whole thing yeah, and, dunge- and fourth edition dungeon design had a whole bunch of interesting ideas that would really lend themselves to this. Like, oh, this room has heavily flowing water. Every turn you end your, your end your movement in this river, you are pushed two squares this direction. Yeah, that kind of stuff would make would make it really effective for a sort of fr- uh, frenetic and kinetic dungeon experience where shit's constantly moving and changing and happening. So yeah, I would play this by stealing the core concept of I'm as the DM, I can pop up and be like, ha ha, I am DJ Pepper Tomato, and I am going to fight you. Like, that kind of that kind of shit would be really fun to steal. Yep. Uh, but the core, you know, the, the gameplay itself is a little uninspired, and the world is a little half-baked for something. It's, it's got a lot of words in it. It's just they don't really add up to much. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's why I feel like they just made it for the OGL, because it doesn't seem like it hangs together well enough to be a thing that was around beforehand. Core concept, though, man, that core concept. If we were giving these things a rating scale, I would give it a bonus just for that. Yeah. So there you go. That's been X-Crawl. Yep, there we go. X-Crawl. I got that sex crawl. That, that's sex crawl. Our, we'll, that's going to be what we'll call our game when we make yeah, it. Yeah, we're, we're making sex crawl, so it's based on fatal. <laughs> <laughs> it uses the fatal rule set. But after that, we didn't want the story. We just wanted that super comprehensive, tight, fatal rule set. Oh, yeah. And then then we applied sex crawl liberally. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Folks, we have been System Mastery. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find us at com, System Mastery on Gmail, Facebook, or Twitter. If you have questions, you can also contact us on, as System Mastery on Reddit. So send us your questions, comments, recommendations, what have you. If you want to support us, you are welcome to do so. You do that at the Patreon, patreon.com slash System Mastery. And by supporting us, you can unlock bonus content. We do... Uh, An episode of bonus content every time we do a System Mastery. We go back into the game we just finished reviewing, and we make characters in it and describe the process of character construction and the results to you. Yeah. So any amount you donate at any level on Patreon gets you those bonus contents. Uh, Stick around uh, and join us next week for an Afterthought, which is our companion podcast where we just do discussion. We also do our movie show, Movie Mastery, where we review old garbage movies and tell you all about them. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening, and have a good week. Welcome, welcome all of you to to Know My Entire Asshole. Oh, welcome to Knowing My Entire Asshole, the <laughs> podcast where we explore Jeff's asshole one wrinkle at a time. One D6 wrinkles at a time. <laughs> yeah, we we have to roll randomly to see how many wrinkles we explore. This one's got a bump on it. Aw, oh, bump on a wrinkle on an ass on an asshole. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's hurtful. I'm not using any of this. <laughs> that's... That's going into the bloopers.